0: Well, I'll say welcome again, too. We are glad that you are here on this 4th of July weekend. We hope you enjoy some time off, if you get it, and enjoy uh, the 4th. I want to thank also, as Jerry mentioned, we have some other preachers during the summer. Pastor Stan Johnson preached last Sunday, so we thank you, give thanks to Stan. And we are still in Luke 11 today, where we're going to confront uh, Jesus sparring with the Pharisees, which will happen again in Luke 12 next week as well. So let's dive right in it's kind of a long passage today we're going to look at luke 11 uh, verses 37 through 54. while he was speaking a pharisee invited him to dine with him so he went in and took his place at the table he is jesus that we're talking about the pharisee was amazed to see that he did not first wash before dinner Then the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you were full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? So give as alms those things that are within and then everything will be clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kind and neglect justice and the love of God. It is these you ought, to, you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honor in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves on which, on which people unknowingly walk. One of the experts in the law answered him, teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. And he said, woe also to you, experts in the law, for you load people with burdens hard to bear and you yourselves do not lift a finger to ease them. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your ancestors killed. So you are witnesses and approve of the deeds of your ancestors for they kill them and you build their tombs. For this reason, the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that this generation may be charged with the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be charged against this generation. Woe to you, experts in the law, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves and you hindered those who were entering. When he went outside, the scribes and the Pharisees became hostile to him and began to interrogate him about many things lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say sisters and brothers in christ this is the word of the lord thanks be to god let us pray lord on this sunday this first sunday in july may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you O lord our rock and our redeemer amen So it's kind of a long passage, about 18 verses, there's a lot there, it's kind of complicated, it's not the most uh, positive, uh, you know, lovey-dovey passage. So let's dive right in and start breaking this down and see how God's Word, even in this passage, might, might apply to us today. So, I've got four things up here that this is about, they're simple, they all begin with the word W, I like that, I don't know if you do as well, but who, why woes and weeds we need a little more explanation about that because i'm trying to get your attention with those but here's a little more explanation with those first who who are the pharisees and the teachers of the law or the scribes why why was jesus so harsh with them and there's no doubt that he was the woes it's not a word that we use often so what do the woes mean that Jesus gives, and there's at least six times where Jesus uses the word woe or says woe to you, to the Pharisees or the teachers of the law. And then we, what do we do about it? We're not just going to study this to learn it for what it means then. We're going to study it to look at it for what it means to us today. So let's dive in. Who who are the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws? The teachers of the law are also known as the scribes. Well, the Pharisees were trying to codify the law, put it in codes to make the Jewish law cover every situation so that when something arose, a person would know exactly what needed to be done. They they, they wanted a law or a rule for every possible situation. And they were urging people to obey the law uh, to bring about God's kingdom in the way that they thought it should be done by obeying the law. In a sense, it says later, They were loading heavy burdens of complex rules on people's backs. It's kind of a metaphor to to load those rules on people's backs. But they don't help to lift a a finger to remove any burdens. The scribes or the teachers of the law, they were like lawyers and they wanted the Torah or the law to relate or apply to every area uh, of life. So that it got very complicated, but Jesus speaks, I believe Jesus speaks more simply and clearly about life than the Pharisees or the scribes do. Here's an example. In a different passage in the gospels, Jesus was asked by a Pharisee, a teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and your strength, and to, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus is asked about laws, he really answers with love. So instead of going back to the command, the rules, the laws that, that are so complicated, he answers with love. So again, the Pharisees and the scribes, they're, they're narrowly defining the Jewish law. In fact, they were adding to it to to attempt to protect people from sinning. But what they were doing were, was actually adding burdens to the people, more rules for people to live by. So that's who who were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. What were they up to? Why why was Jesus so harsh with them? And he definitely was. Well, this passage, and I've read it many times in the past week could sound like haggling over some language in the laws, but I believe the essence of what Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God and about love and forgiveness and grace, he believed that's what was really at stake here. It was really a battle. It was a battle of following the law to a very, very specific degree versus a life that was based on grace and love. And mercy and I believe this is why Jesus was so passionate here as we read in other places he was ushering in a new way to live he was ushering in the kingdom of God that was more so much more about grace than it was about law so where I grew up I grew up uh, very much going to church from as young as I could possibly remember in Dallas Texas I had a great family that we went to church pretty much every Sunday, I I did, as I said, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. It was sometimes called the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Uh, Churches on every corner, big churches, very active churches. And there were lots of expectations. So I I think I could relate a little bit uh, to the Pharisees and maybe how they spoke or lived. In, In Texas, you were expected to go to church on Sunday. And this is going back, you know, 40 to 50 years. But you were expected to go to church on Sunday. It was assumed that everyone went to church on Sunday. In fact, if you went out to lunch on Sunday, you assumed everybody in the restaurant had been at church just just then. And and now that's not the way it is so much in America. And a critique of the church in Texas even then was that it was behavior-based. And I would say this was about a lot of Christian churches uh, in the South. And so at times growing up in that that, uh, culture, my faith was a little bit legalistic, looking back on it. It was about following the law. In fact, I wouldn't say following the law so much, but following the rules. And some of us are very much a rules follower, which I still am today. But even then, it was about going to church, doing Bible study. How's your morning quiet time? Did you have a quiet time this morning? Did you, have you already prayed? Have you read your Bible already today? That was a lot of what I felt growing up. It was also behavior-based in certain churches, there was no dancing or drinking or even in some churches playing cards because all those things could lead to much worse things. And I remember I didn't grow up with those specific rules as much, but I went to college at Baylor University, a Baptist college, and a lot of my friends were Baptist, and would tell me there was no drinking or dancing allowed. You do not, you do, not do those things. I also remember I heard this as a teenage boy, which was pretty typical in Texas for a teenage boy in the church setting. So imagine being 16 or 17 year old guy and you would hear, don't drink, smoke or chew or go with girls who do. That's what we heard, so. (laughs) Don't drink, smoke or chew and go with girls who do. If you don't don't know what chew is, it's chewing tobacco. Uh, which back then was popular, especially in Texas. Even I remember a lot of ads for chewing tobacco. I never chewed tobacco, by the way. I was a little bit afraid of it. (laughs) Um, Now, Jesus certainly broke some of the rules, but he didn't always break the rules, but he didn't play by the rules that stopped. And as I looked at it this week, he didn't play by the rules that stopped Grace or compassion. Then he would want to go around the rules and create a a new expectation for the people. That's why he healed on the Sabbath because the man had a withered hand and he wanted to offer him help, healing while he had the opportunity. He saw this man there and so he healed on the Sabbath. And that's why he was harsh with the Pharisees because he was more about grace, compassion, and forgiveness. In the Gospel of John, there's another story where one time Jesus was teaching at the temple or in the temple courts, and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery before Jesus, and there was a crowd gathered there, and it says they, were, they brought this woman to him to, te- to trap Jesus and to teach the woman uh, a lesson. And the law said that she could be stoned to death for being caught in adultery, and they wanted to know what Jesus uh, thought that they should do. So Jesus thought about it a little bit and said he drew in the sand and then he said let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone and gradually everyone if they had a stone in hand they dropped it and they left Jesus didn't enforce the letter of the law here but showed grace very cleverly and very smartly but he didn't stop there He said that he didn't condemn condemn the woman, he told her that, but he also added, go and sin no more. He wanted her to live a Jesus kind of life with grace and compassion, but also upholding the idea of let's make choices that are God honoring, go and sin no more. So we've talked for a few minutes about who are the Pharisees and the scribes, the teachers of the law. Uh, Why was Jesus so harsh with them? He wanted to change things. He wanted to change the very ways that people did things in the religious community, in the Jewish community, and then in the Christian community later. And so what about these woes? What are the woes and what do they mean? I actually feel like these are fairly complicated. So Jesus says woe to you here six times in this passage, these 18 verses, and the woes, one commentator i read this week are stinging rebukes they are stinging rebukes that jesus gives to the pharisees and to the scribes so what is it that the pharisees and the scribes are doing wrong that jesus is rebuking them for and take just a moment to look at these uh, pretty quickly first in verses 37 through 41 the pharisee who invited jesus to dinner was surprised that uh, Jesus didn't do the ceremonial washing. And he says that he didn't wash his hands. It was a a ceremonial uh, Jewish law kind of washing that Jesus was supposed to do before dinner. Jesus replies that Pharisees clean the outside of the cup, meaning like washing of the hands, but they don't clean the inside. The Pharisees were focused on the ritual, not focused on whether they were clean, clean on the inside. Jesus says the way to make the outside pure is to make the inside pure. And I take this as to get your heart in the right place. You know, as I grew up with a lot of kind of behaviors, don't don't drink or dance or do those things. Instead, where is your heart? Is your heart in the right place? I think that's what Jesus is getting at instead of uh, washing your hands in the correct way. And then he talks about giving. Give to the poor, he says, the alms from the inside give from your heart be a cheerful giver be a joyful giver learn about what giving is all about give from your heart then you will be a cheerful giver you will enjoy the giving the next woe that jesus gives is also about giving he says the pharisees give a tenth of their herbs as a tithe to god but they neglect uh, neglect justice and love they were concerned about herbs and tithing of their herbs now uh, my daughter Alexia planted some a little small plants. She planted some lettuce and she also planted some cilantro. Cilantro is an herb, right? So uh, it's tiny, you know, the cilantro little plant, it's coming up tiny and just pull off a few little leaves. We go out sometimes and pull off a few little leaves to put in our salad and I'm like, the Pharisees were worried about or concerned about or choose to be concerned about tithing actually of their herbs, a 10th of their herbs <laughs> But Jesus said, while they're doing this, they're neglecting justice and love. He's saying, really, you're majoring in the minors, major in the majors. Think about justice and love, not so maybe much about your herbs. Jesus says, the Pharisees like the best seats in the synagogue or the church. They care about their reputation. Jesus wants them to care more about their hearts and who they really are than their reputation. It said they like the best seats in the house and they like to be greeted in the marketplaces. So you you, you can almost picture them walking around wondering who is seeing them there and who is greeting them perhaps with respect. And he said, you need to really care about, more about who you are on the inside rather than your reputation, rather than what other people think of you, which is often for them, what is on the outside. Jesus said the Pharisees are like unmarked graves. If a person under Jewish law touched or walked on a grave, they would be defiled or unclean and have to go through a ritual to be clean again. So if the Pharisees are, be, are like unmarked graves, it means you couldn't see them very well and you might walk across them, which would defile you. He's saying associating with a Pharisee might defile you or make you unclean. And then the scribes and the experts in the law speak up, at least one of them, and say, they say, teacher, we are insulted <clears throat> by this. And they should be insulted by this. It's, it's insulting. And so, why, again, is Jesus so harsh here in these woes? Again, Jesus is trying to show a new way to live. I think it's about the Jesus way. If we take the Gospels and really Paul's letters, John's letters, if we take the New Testament as a whole, it's a new way to live where forgiveness and showing grace And Jesus says to be a servant, you know, you'd rather be a servant than to be served. To be last, not first. Choose mercy and compassion over the law. These are the new ways to live of following Jesus. So the scribes are insulted. And then Jesus replies to them, to the scribes, that they load people down with burdens instead of lifting a finger to help them. In a way, he says, instead of protecting the people from doing the wrong thing, they prohibited the people from doing almost anything. One example of this would be the Sabbath. We kind of know what the Sabbath is, but they took that incredibly seriously. It's one of the the 10 commandments to observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. They could work the other days a week, but not to work on the seventh day. So the Pharisees put strict laws and guidelines in place to protect the Sabbath. And some of these things are even around today. I was reading this week that even in 2023 in the nation of Israel and actually in other populated cities around the world where a lot of Jewish people live, there are Shabbat. That's how they would say it. There's Shabbat laws. In fact, there are Shabbat elevators. Have you, have you heard of Shabbat elevators? If, and if you've been to Israel, you may have seen them, but here's what they are. These elevators work, they go up and down without touching any buttons. So a Jewish person doesn't have to push the button to get the elevator to come. And I read about why do they do this? They said, if you touch the button, you might close an electrical circuit, which is prohibited on Shabbat, because it might create a spark or fire, which is a sign of work. Still very, very specific rules and laws on the Sabbath. When we live with too many religious laws or expectations, it can burden us from living a Jesus life. And I love what Jesus says about this because he says they don't, they don't remove burdens from people's backs, they add more burdens on. But here's what Jesus says about burdens, and you'll know this verse in Matthew 11:28. 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you who are weary, and you're carrying heavy burdens maybe on your back. And instead, I will give you rest. This is the kind of Jesus kind of life that we want to live. Finally, at the end, Jesus says in kind of a complicated rant about the prophets that the scribes in this generation will be responsible for the deaths of the prophets. Perhaps he means that the prophets said that one day a Messiah would come, and now he is here. He is the Messiah. And yet they are rejecting him, opposing him, and one day soon he will die on the cross. Perhaps that's what he means about the deaths of the prophets. So we've got one more. We've talked about who the Pharisees and the scribes. Why? Why is Jesus so harsh? It's to change everything. It's to bring about the kingdom of God and he's in a battle with them on that sense. And what are the woes? They're stinging rebukes where he talks specifically about ways where the Pharisees and the scribes are going wrong. And then finally, we, what might we do differently to live in this Jesus sort of way instead of a rule following kind of way? So instead of living by a set of rules only, we can live and should live by the example and the ways of Jesus. And I think even though we don't have some of those pharisaical kind of strict rules, perhaps in today's churches, I wouldn't say that's the case at ZBC, but I do believe sometimes we put unrealistic expectations on ourselves or others. I know that these are things that I can struggle with in my life. So what does it look like to live differently? Some of us might be perfectionists, and so we always think we could do better. I can fall a little bit in that category. I think being a perfectionist can live to, uh, to worry or anxiety about that you're not good enough or you're not always doing everything, every possible thing that you could do. Or perhaps even for some people, never slowing down, never being quiet because there's always one other project or something to be perfect. I know that perfectionists can sometimes be judgmental, a little bit like the Pharisees perhaps, be judgmental of others who aren't living up to the same high standards that they are. Sometimes we put unreal expectations on our families. If we think that our spouses will fulfill us or make us happy, they will fail because they're human. As Jerry mentioned in his prayer, we are made of skin and bones and flesh and we make mistakes, we fail. And so we can't ultimately fulfill someone else. We might think as kids, we might think our parents need to be more kind or loving, or maybe they need to give us less rules. I don't know. We might put certain rules or expectations on our children and expectations that could be even good expectations or our grandchildren, that they have a better life than we had, that they they do better than we did but that may put pressure on our children. Often as kids get older, they will run from this kind of pressure or rebel to show their independence or they want to go their own way, which can be a healthy thing. What about in a Jesus way, still having realistic expectations of our families and of ourselves? To have a Jesus lifestyle. I think one of my kids gave me a gift. This was just about two weeks ago. He said that he had read online somewhere that for your parents, and and my kids are all in their early 20s now, he said that your parents are going through life for the first time, just like you are, so they don't have it all figured out, so give your parents a break. I'm like, who wrote that? I really like that a lot. (laughs) Because I think sometimes we think our kids, my kids, I'll say my kids, are all gonna be in some sort of therapy or counseling for all the mistakes that we made or that, that they felt, perhaps, that we made with them so giving your parents a break how cool is that i think that's a jesus kind of lifestyle giving our spouses our siblings our friends our loved ones a break knowing that we are human and that we don't put extra burdens or pressure on their backs i think a great example of changing from a rule-based jewish law sort of lifestyle to a grace Lifestyle is the Apostle Paul. Before, though, he was Paul, he was Saul. You can read about this in the early chapters of Acts, around Acts chapter 7 or 8, which the book of Acts is great because it reads like a story. So it's it's much more like a narrative story that we would read today. Paul said, as Saul, that he sat under the teaching of Gamaliel, a great teacher of Jewish law. He was very proud of that. And he felt threatened by Christians, and so he approved of the stoning of Stephen in Acts. He talks about this in Acts 22, and then he started to track down Christians and have them arrested and put in jail. Then on the road to Damascus, which isn't a very far ride from up the northern part of Israel, where Paul, or Saul at that time, was going to find more Christians to arrest them, Jesus blinded Paul and called him to himself and changed Paul's heart. After being changed and coming to Christ and after some time of learning from Jesus, Paul wrote many letters to churches which make up much of our New Testament today. So here was a man of the law. He was proud of that heritage, that Jewish law. He was threatened by Christians. But he was changed by Jesus, and instead of being a person who simply continued to follow the law and put others in jail, soon he was going out and traveling around modern-day Turkey and Greece and other places, and he was planting churches, he was telling people about Jesus, and he was writing beautiful letters about the way of Jesus. So Paul still writes some of what about God expects us to be. You can read that in places like Romans But Paul also writes very beautifully about love over law. Here's two passages which I think speak very well to Paul's change. Here's the first one. It's on the screens. Clothe yourselves. Again, imagine Paul saying this as a changed man. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. So again, Paul is a changed man, wrote all these letters, and here's perhaps one of his most famous passages. It's in 1 Corinthians 13, you know it. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. Love always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails." So as Christian today is to maybe take a little different twist on this. Should we follow the laws of the land? Should we have good, healthy expectations of how to live? Yes, we should, I believe that very much. Should we build up as Christians and as churches, should we build up religious laws or add legalistic expectations of behavior in being a Christian? No, we should not. Instead, we have freedom. And on Tuesday, the 4th of July, we can celebrate our nation's freedom in that we have freedom to worship Jesus. We have freedom to do that wherever we want, whenever we want. And we have freedom to follow Jesus, but not necessarily religious laws or unrealistic expectations that we might have, but to follow his ways of grace and love and compassion. So let us live the Jesus way, knowing that he will forgive us when we fail, because with Jesus, love never fails. Let us pray. Most loving God, as we are here in this place, this sanctuary set aside to worship you, we do pray that you would accept, that we would accept your grace and love. Lord, to follow you, not out of a sense of legalism or undue expectations, but God, that we would follow you out of gratitude for your love for us. We do pray in Christ's name. Amen.